Well, thank you for that warm welcome. I'm very glad to be here, and um, Pastor Brian uh, has got a little bit of a, a grace time over at first, because our service doesn't start until 10 o'clock. So, uh, uh, and uh, the services at, at Northwest always were at 9 o'clock, and I really like that time, until I got appointed to first and figured out how much nicer it was to have that little hour when I got up in the morning to drink a cup of coffee and watch the news and think about what, how the service was going to go and all those kinds of things. So we are very happy to be doing this sermon series between Pastor Brian, Pastor Michelle, and myself. We've been talking about it. I believe uh, the weather was warm and we were still using air conditioning in our cars when we started meeting about this. Uh, and that's not the case today, that's for sure. Um, but uh, we really think that our South Bend churches need to come together. And once we come together in uh, ministry and mission, I don't think that there's anything that we can do to stop what God's going to do in our churches. And so uh, one of the, the, the things was trying to make sure that we all got to know each other a little bit better, and so one of the ways to do that was to uh, do some pulpit exchange. And so we've got some other other plans uh, that are are coming in the works. So we hope that you will uh, enjoy those things and help us as we try to change the face of what St. Joe County looks like with United Methodist Ministry. So we hope you'll do that. Will you pray with me, please? Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together this morning bring honor and glory to you. Open our hearts, open our minds, and let us hear the word that you have for us this morning. Amen. Well, there was a man named Jerry, and he was found one morning by his girlfriend, sprawled out on the bathroom floor, pills littering the tile all around him. Jerry had lost his entire family of four, one by one, in a matter of a few short years. When the last member of Jerry's family, his twin brother, died of leukemia, Jerry sank into a deep depression and despair. After a week and a half of intensive care, Jerry had survived his near-fatal suicide attempt, but he really didn't seem any better. Reluctantly, Jerry went with his girlfriend to speak with the pastor of her church, who happens to be a colleague of mine. Jerry walked into that office that afternoon looking like the living dead. The pastor assumed that it was despair over the loss that drove him to want to end his life. But she was wrong. Jerry said, I just can't get rid of the guilt that I feel. I miss my family so much. But what haunts me is what I did to my brother. He resented me for years after I got involved with a girl that he was in love with. And he told me, you are no longer my brother. For years, years, we didn't talk because he refused to see me. 
I wanted to try and resolve it, Jerry said, but, but before I could, he got leukemia and now he's passed away. I feel so horrible for what I did to my brother. I just don't want to live. Well, what Jerry needed most was not an explanation of why tragedy happens. What he needed was simply to understand God's grace. And don't we all? What our world needs more than anything else, I believe, is grace. And not just more talk about grace, but grace that seeks out the least, the lost, and the broken, just like God does. Grace with skin on it. I'm sure you've heard that phrase before. Because people are born to run from God without it. I want you to hear this morning what Paul tells us in his letter to the Ephesians about grace. At one time you were like dead persons because of the things that you did wrong and your offenses against God. You used to live like people of this world. You followed the rules of a destructive spiritual power. This is the spirit of disobedience to God's will that is now at work in persons whose lives are characterized by disobedience. At one time, you were like those persons. All of you used to do whatever felt good and whatever you thought you wanted so that you were children that were headed for punishment, just like everyone else. However, God God is rich in mercy. He brought us to life with Christ while we were dead as a result of those things that we did wrong. He did this because of the great love that he has for us. You are saved by God's grace and raised us up and seated us in the heavens with Jesus Christ. God did this. God did this to show future generations the greatness of his grace by the goodness that God has shown us in Jesus Christ. You are saved by God's grace because of your faith, and this salvation is God's gift. It's not something that you possessed. It's not something that you did that you can be proud of. Instead, we are God's accomplishment created in Christ Jesus to do good things. God planned for these good things to be the way that we live our lives. I think that we all know deep down inside that something is wrong with our world. It's not hard for people to comprehend the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 when he says, well, I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing that I hate. And I will tell you, for my years at seminary, I had that quote on the inside of my closet door that I read it every single morning because I felt that I was not on the right path, even though I was at seminary. Yet instead of turning to turning to God for help. We seem to naturally want to run away from God. 
the only one who can heal us, change us, and give us life. It's so sad how, how automatically so, so many people feel unacceptable to God. Our world is filled with unhappy people who are living lives with, with a heavy yoke of guilt around our necks. So many folks do not know. They don't know what I hope we all know today, that we are unconditionally loved. And until we realize that, we can never really live. The uniqueness of Christianity boils down to one word, and that's grace. As United Methodists, we describe it as the undeserved, unmerited, and loving action of God in human existence through the ever-present power of the Holy Spirit. Grace says that God accepts you, accept you accepts you and loves you just as you are. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you will do, no matter, God loves you. And you're going to hear me say that again here in a few minutes, but I, I want you to hear it. I want you to get it. I want you to take it into your heart. Because, my friends, can you even begin to imagine what the world would be like if people really believed this? But once more, what would the world be like? What would the church be like if we really and consistently believed and lived that out? If we put skin on it? If we were to go out on the street and do a survey and ask people, I wonder how many folks would associate Christianity or our churches with anything closely resembling grace. According to some Christian research groups, what many folks feel is law, zero tolerance, judgment, condemnation. And many people are afraid, afraid of coming to church because they're afraid they're going to be judged or deemed unacceptable. I don't know how many times I've, I've been in our food pantry or our soup kitchen, and when I'm down there, I always try to say, hey, you know, come to church. We worship Sunday mornings, 10 o'clock. And people say, well, I, really, I don't have any good clothes to wear, so I can't come to church. Or would the church really welcome somebody like me? Or do you allow people of a different color, of a different nationality, to come to your church? Allow? My goodness, I would do, and I'm sure Pastor Brian would and Pastor Michelle would, we would do anything, anything, to bring people into our church families to hear about grace 
to hear about love, to hear about this, this Jesus Christ who died for us. But we don't get the chance sometimes. It's so important. Being part, being part of God's body is that life-changing experience that we have, that we can share. How can we better get the message out that we're not looking for perfect people because none of us are perfect? There was only one, and he died on the cross for us. We want people to come just as they are because that's how God accepts them, and that's how God accepts us. Paul writes in our scripture passage that I read this morning, and this is a different, a little bit of a different version, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our own transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. God loved us long before we loved God. God sought us out while we were doing, well, who knows what? Because <laughs> I'm not going to stand here and confess my stuff. <laughs> God continues to seek us out every minute of every day. And that's what I call love. Grace is the greatest news in the Bible. But it is so otherworldly that it's often so hard for us to get it. I mean, people don't naturally understand what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, that even though we fail to live up to God's standards or even our own standards, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Not only are we set free from the fear of judgment and condemnation through Jesus, but God accepts us, and God pulls us into such a close relationship. And you know how that is. Have you ever loved someone so much that you felt like you just couldn't get close enough? Many of us have that kind of experience with our spouse or our significant other, and definitely with our children. Imagine how God feels about you, how God feels about me. We are God's children, siblings in Christ. No matter who we are, or what we've done or will do, no matter what the color of our skin is or what we look like or who we love. We, we, my friends, are God's children and siblings in Christ. And part of this United Sermon Series is for us to recognize that we are siblings in Christ with Clay and First and Evangel Heights. 
and all of the other United Methodist churches and frankly, all of the churches in our community. And if God is for us, God isn't mad at us. He created us knowing we were going to make mistakes. He created us knowing we were going to fail and stumble. And Paul writes, if God is for us, who can be against us? And nothing and no one can ever separate us from the love that God has for us in Jesus Christ. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, or anything in all creation can separate us from God's love. So what are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? God so loved the world. Jesus came to save us, not condemn us. It's been said that the litmus test of whether or not we understand the gospel is what we do when we stumble and fall. Do we run from God and go try and clean ourselves up a bit before we come back? Or do we approach the throne of grace with confidence? It's said that if you don't approach the throne of grace with confidence, you don't understand the gospel because you are still trying to earn, here's the th kicker, earn what is freely given to us. I could put it another way. Salvation occurs when you trust unwaveringly that it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works. Friends, when we believe this, when we believe it and we truly embrace it, we are finally free to start the process of becoming truly human, truly real, truly loving, truly accepting, truly ourselves. I recently read an article about a student ministry holding a series of meetings with college-age students. The topic ranged across the spectrum, but each conversation had three rules. You have to be honest, you have to be gracious, and you have to be present. One night, the students wanted to discuss habitual sins. And although they struggled with a variety of sinful behaviors, they all agreed on one thing. One thing, God was very disappointed in them. Often through tears, the students shared stories about how they believed that God, God must not like them anymore and was disappointed. And after listening to their stories, the, the campus minister asked them a question. How many of you were raised in a Christian home? And every single one of them raised their hand. He said, then why did not one of you say that in the midst of your sin, God still loves you? 
We don't get it sometimes. You know, the Bible contains a museum of failed discipleship. Over and over again, the Gospels record false starts and, and spiritual failures, especially of the disciples. But thankfully, they also record Jesus' willingness to encourage and challenge his flawed disciples. We tend to want to cover up our hero's faults, but the Bible allows us to, to see the disciples' failures. And most of those stories came from the disciples themselves. This honesty should give us, should give us encouragement when we feel like saying, I'm just not good enough. God, there is no way that God can love me because, and I've had people say this, Pastor, if you only knew what I've done, if you only knew my sins, then you would understand why I don't think God loves me and that God could ever forgive me. And I might as well just give up. Our scripture lesson for this morning says that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ's image, created to do good works. Have you ever thought of yourself as God's workmanship, God's masterpiece? Have you ever thought of other people in that light? What difference would it make in our dealings with, with ourselves and our dealings with other people and people from other churches? How could we be more accepting and less judgy? A person once described their neighbor who was a Christian as, well, she does all this good work. She just does it automatically. It's just, it's just what she does. It's who she is. Friends, living into our calling to be truly human through accepting the love that God has for us through Jesus inevitably, inevitably leads us into a life where we not only are able to receive grace, but again, here's the kicker, but then we can extend it to other people. We can look at other people and see them like God does. I'm convinced that the central problem for Christians as well as for seekers is we don't trust God. We still feel that we, that we need to do this. We have to succeed, uh, and we have to prove ourselves. Because somehow we are unacceptable the way we are. The absence of, of feeling deeply loved or truly at peace is a consequence of that. Many of us live stressed out lives. We're anxious, we're controlling our lives are free of joy because we don't trust that we are fully accepted as is, as is, and that God loves us. When we truly live in grace, that's when we find freedom and, and salvation. And when we wrongly assume that it's our job, our job to make other people acceptable to God, even though we can't make ourselves acceptable, it's not a good thing. Because we send the wrong message about this God that loves us unconditionally. 
But like I said, to truly believe the good news about God's grace, we have to experience grace through God's people. Because it's not our job to fix them. That's God's job. Our job is to love and accept. And I don't know what Pastor Brian talked about last week, but I know one of the things that I talked about is looking into other people's eyes, looking at their faces, and knowing, and knowing that God loves them just the way they are. And every person that we look at was created by God. Paul sums up our job in this world like this. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill all the requirements of God's law. Wow. Those are powerful words. If you just love your neighbor, you will fulfill all the requirements of God's law. If you saw a Rembrandt covered in mud, you probably wouldn't focus on the mud. You'd, you'd focus on, oh my gosh, I've got a Rembrandt here. Your main concern would not be the mud, although it would need to be removed. You'd be happy that you had that Rembrandt. But if you tried to clean it up yourself, you might damage it. See where I'm going with this? So you would carefully bring this work of art to a master, a master who could guide you and help you restore it to the condition originally intended. When we try to work on people <laughs> and we try to change them and we try to judge them and we try to not accept them for the way they are, we can do damage, friends. And then we have people who say, I, I'll never step foot in another church as long as I live. They judged me. They didn't like the way I dressed. They didn't like the way I talked. They didn't like the way I was raising my kids. I'll never go back. And I'm sure you all have talked with folks who have told you that. But if we put it in God's hands, within grace-filled congregations like First Northwest, like Clay, like Evangel Heights, each one of us are like a work of art, like a poem or a sculpture created by the hands of God. So my friends, if, if you hear nothing else that I've said this morning, I want you to hear how much you are loved and how much it's not our job to judge. It's our job to share the grace that we have been given by God and to welcome people into our church families, telling them, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you will do, no matter who you love, you are loved and you belong. Will you pray with me, please? Oh, loving God, we thank you so much that you try to teach us hard-headed people that you love us. And we don't have to be perfect, because none of us are. And that we are forgiven. 
Lord, help us to share your love and your grace in this broken world. Help us to bring people to the feet of your throne and worship with them. In your name we pray. Amen.